Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 149. Yeah, I think that speaks to so much because like one, you know, I, I just want to put it out there like fear is healthy, right? Like fear is what keeps you alive. It's what keeps you safe. And like when we start to push past that fear or lose that fear, like there is risk. Um, and so it is, it's a really hard balance, I think, to know how to push past fear appropriately and when it's appropriate to push past fear. Hence that like, should I run this question? It's like how I think in that moment, a lot of people are asking or trying to have help sorting through the fear or the doubt versus their skill factor. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we look for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, which uh, if you guys have been following along our show You guys know that Mondays we do our deep dive interviews and I'm very excited to share this interview with you guys. Today I got to sit down and talk with a close friend of mine, Anna Bruno. She is the editor of Kayak Session Magazine. She has worked as the Keener Mom and with the Keener Program for 10 plus years. She is one of the head organizers with the World Class Kayak Academy has been a part of the whole kayaking community and worked various different uh, top jobs within the kayak community for the past decade plus. And we talk all about her experience within paddle sports as well as how she deals with stress, how she deals with fear, with doubt, and the decision-making that she uses when on a river, but also we talk a lot about how this same kind of decision-making, the same way that we deal with fear and doubt and anxiety and stress, how that applies not only within paddling, but also with everything in life, all the decisions that we, we make in life, all the, the anything that's new, anything that's fearful. And it gives some great advice on pushing your comfort zone while still being comfortable. So essentially how to eliminate some of the risk while still pushing that comfort zone and making progress. So anyway, this is just a really, really fun conversation that talks a lot about kayaking, a lot about Anna's life within the paddle sports industry. But all of her her advice really uh, can translate into everything in life. And and we regularly kind of go back and forth between how that relates to paddling and everyday life. But just a really, really fun conversation that that dives into risk, into fear, into doubt, into stress, into anxiety. And uh, I don't know, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly battling and dealing with all of that in life. So this is just a really fun conversation and I'm very, very excited to share it with you guys. So let's jump right into it. Here is none other than Anna Bruno. Thank you so very much for joining me here on the Art of Awesome podcast. We've been talking about this for 
I don't know, a couple of weeks, couple of months. I've been wanting to get you on the show for a bit. So I'm stoked to actually get to sit down and talk with you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, really honored to be here. Kind of excited. And yeah, I think we started talking about this in Idaho last summer. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe we're close to a close to a year of, of working. right on time <laughs> kayaker time. <laughs> yeah. My anyway, I'm glad to finally get to, to fit into your schedule. Um, but I'd love to start off with kind of a breakdown or, or kind of share with us a bit of your story of getting into paddling, uh, kind of where you started and where you kind of went to up to like where you are right now. I mean, we're about to go to the U.S. team trials in like a week or so, but you've got quite the story in between. So kind of tell us how you got into it up to uh, where we are right now. Oh man, you might really need to edit this one out. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up outside of Philadelphia. Uh, as a kid, I went to summer camp in North Carolina And my younger sister at summer camp did whitewater kayaking because she thought the instructors were cute. (laughs) They were. Um, Yeah, classic. And so she loved it. And she this was probably around 1997. So kind of like height of maybe that first whitewater kayaking explosion, like the year of the RPM ish, you know? Yeah. And um Anyway, so my sister loved it. The counselors loved her. And when my mom came to pick us up from camp, they said, hey, you know, this is a great sport for kids. This is a great sport for families. You should find a canoe club and start kayaking. And so my mom was like, okay. And it was the year my mom turned 50 and she loved it. She just really, I like really embraced it. And she went, right, if I'm going to buy all this gear, um, you're learning too. Because my sister was still fairly young and kind of didn't have like the biggest attention span and she wanted someone to learn with and I got kind of dragged into it. So you didn't, you weren't at the camp with her learning? I was, but I never got into the whitewater program. It it was like very popular again because the instructors were really cute. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I rock climbed and horseback rode and did other things, but I didn't really start kayaking until after that. Um, Yeah. And I, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I was so miserable and so scared and um, I like loved rolling in the pool and then I had a lot of fear in the river for a long time. Um, And then when I was, so I started kayaking, I learned to roll when I was probably 15 or 16 and then when I was about 18, I think, we went up to, well, the canoe club was doing this trip to the Ottawa And to go on this trip to the Ottawa, I had to like prove that I was a good enough kayaker. And so I went out and every weekend that summer leading up to the trip, I would go out to the lower yacht out in Western Pennsylvania. And I, my two paddling partners were in their seventies and I had like never really gone just on a kayaking camping trip before. And they took me out and I didn't have a tent. So they shared a tent so I could have (laughs) one of their tents and They took me kayaking and then they decided that I was good enough for the Ottawa and that trip, I was just such an eye opener. Um, Jared Seiler of of Dem Shits and Mm -hmm. Piranha fame grew up about 20 minutes from me and he and his brother Graham and I were the only kids in the canoe club at that time and so he and his dad were also on this trip to the Ottawa and watching Jared kayaking and watching Jared run the Seven Sisters on the Rouge River, really I was like, wait what is this sport? You can do this. And that trip just like changed everything for me. Um, I paddled a Neki jive 
which gave me so much confidence. I loved it. Uh, I have this like vivid memory of, oh my God, running McCoy's Rapid on the Ottawa for the first time and getting stuck in left side horseshoe and getting side surf for like a full minute and just beat down, beat down, beat down. My Protec helmet's like down over my nose. My hair is sticking through the slot. So I got bit by a mosquito. So my eyes swelled shut and I like came out of the surf pole and I was like fist pumping and cheering and I was so stoked. And there was like 30 people. And then after that, I... I like had gone from swimming like three times a day before that trip on the Deerfield River in Massachusetts and I didn't swim again for like two years. It was just such a confidence building trip and that's like where I think I fell in love with kayaking. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, you're going from learning learning with your uh, canoe club and then you're going to the Ottawa. You, you build up your confidence. Where is, I want to get into as well, I want to hear the whole story of like to where we are today, but definitely... There's this notorious oh story God. of the South Branch in California. Where does that fit into this whole experience? And and kind of, yeah. yeah. I just want to make sure that we don't <laughs> skip over that story and this whole like evolution of your paddling. Well, so yeah, fair point. Yeah, that is a notorious trip. Um, <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah. So, but the backstory is that I grew up with Jared. And Jared mm-hmm. Seiler is like one of the first people that introduced me to kayaking. And... Um, at the time the South Branch trip happened would have been around 2007 or 2008. I had graduated from college. I had worked as a raft guide and I had just spent a year living on the Nile River. Okay. So I went out to, went out to the Nile to see if I wanted to go to grad school to get a master's in public health or developmental studies. And then I spent 10 years teaching kayaking instead. (laughs) (laughs) That brought me to my master's right now, which is a master's in kayaking. Um, and so I had just come back from this year. I was at Cheat Fest and I was hanging out with the Silers, catching up with them. And Jared was driving to California in the Prana van as a sponsored Prana athlete. I think it was his second year doing it and mm-hmm. it was a really big deal. And our dads went, well, Anna's never been out West. You should go in the Prana RV. And Jared and his dad were like, yeah, totally. And Jay was like, yeah, maybe you can keep Jared from getting arrested. And then I was like... Which had happened a couple times at that point. Maybe, maybe. That's its own story. (laughs) You'll have to ask him. Um, And so that was the whole joke. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll come out. And I was prepared to, you know, mostly run shuttle, but just get to paddle a little bit here and there. And so in in the Prana van was Jeremy Locks, Dave Fusilli, Jared Seiler, Nicole Mansfield, and myself. And then we were kind of joined along the way, like cast of characters. And so anyway, we do the Reno River Fest. Um, everyone is like, South Branch is running. And the boys really wanted to go run South Branch. And Nicole and I were like, well, I mean, are we good to go? And they're like, oh yeah, you're good to go. And they're, we were like, okay. And so they were showing us videos beforehand. And they're like, don't worry. It's just like the golly. <laughs> and we were like, this doesn't look anything like the golly, yeah. you know? And um, and uh, they got there and they're like, yeah, you just have to make sure you like to get like that boof stroke. And I was like, what's a boof? Like, how do I boof? But yeah, so we went South Branch trip. Brian Kirk was there. I paddled the diesel 60 prototype. We stopped halfway down and shoved sticks in my hip pads to oh make the boat fit me. It's like the smallest boat ever. Um, Shannon Carroll was there. And it was one of those like dem shits days where like you start out with a crew of people and then just more cars and more people just keep rolling in. Like Shannon Carroll was there. Chris Corbulik was there. Fred Norquist was there. Um, Evan Garcia, like we had this like, looking back on it, this kind of like insane posse of 11 or 12 people. Um, And 
That trip is notorious because, as I said, they told Nicole and I was just like the golly. For the record, it is nothing like the golly. It's, it's just like the golly if you had like a quarter of the flow and instead of rapids, they were all waterfalls. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like legit, like serious yeah. waterfalls. Yeah. <clears throat> and on that trip, um, that was a really eye-opening trip for me uh, for a lot of reasons, but um, I had one swim early on. For the record, Shannon Carroll swim first. I would like to put that to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had like one swim early on, and then uh, I had another swim on the double drop later. That was probably one of the worst swims I've ever had. Um, and then that trip kind of became notorious because partly because of my swim, but also because. There was a history of the Demshits maybe bringing some people into that river that weren't really prepared for it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, think <laughs> I'm not sure if that was the, if this was the first one and they did it again or if this was the this second This was the time. first one and they did it again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Meg Smith, to... if you're listening, I apologize to you and for you. Yeah. yeah. I, I had heard that. I think we were on the South Branch either like the, the same day. Yeah. The same day. I was like, I thought I heard like we were there and it, you guys, maybe we... We did... caught us at the 50-footer and we all oh, walked okay. out together because <clears throat> I what it was. we all ran that last 50-footer together. Mm-hmm. And I have a very vivid memory of this because I remember getting passed by Dane on the hike out and Dane was like 11. Mm-hmm. And I was like... And I had one shoe. And he just goes, where's your shoe? I was like, I swam. <laughs> like, oh, no, I just thought I'd do this giant hike out with only one, one shoe, shoe today. Yeah. yeah. But okay, so <clears throat> we have this horrible <laughs> experience on the on the uh, South Branch. Where does so? I also want to get into. You're like one of these I don't know amazing paddlers that kind of does a little bit of everything. You you do squirt boating, you do freestyle kayaking, you do creek boating, you know, river running, waterfalls, um, big waves, all like just kind of pretty much anything that you can do in a kayak. So how do you go from like? You know, learning in Pennsylvania, you go up to the Ottawa. Now you're down in the South Branch with Jared. You've done the Nile at this point. Where does like squirt boating and some of these other aspects of kayak, like do you just kind of just travel around and try a whole bunch of stuff? How did it all like work out for you? I blame the people that I've been surrounded by. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's a really good question. I, sometimes I forget that other people don't do that, to be honest. Right. I, it's just very, it's never something I've tried hard to do. I've just had a lot of opportunity and been surrounded by a lot of really good paddlers and had the opportunity to paddle a lot of different types of whitewater. But I think the big thing for me was after that one magical trip to the Ottawa where I fell in love with kayaking, it was my goal to get to work up there at some point in time. And so I did. I worked as the Keener mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ran the Keener program for 10 years. Yeah. Which is a lot. A lot. Um, and in doing that, I got to work with some of the best coaches out there. I got to work with Steven. I got to work with Clay. I got to work with Claire O'Hara. I got to work with Tyler Curtis, um, Joel. And, you know, later that like lit next generation of people coming up like Dane and Bren and Caleb. And, um, and I think being exposed to the way that we taught kayaking at Keeners, which was do everything, play everything, explore everything. How do you make the river your playground? just really made it fun. And Steven and Claire are, and Claire are to blame for the squirt boating. Um, I didn't make the freestyle team for Garb Worlds. And I was okay. pretty devastated. And they said, hey, why don't you... This, there's no people on the squirt boat team. We need people. You're going to be up there anyway. Why don't you learn to squirt boat this summer? 
they're like, you've been in a squirt boat before. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to get my head wet. Like, I'm afraid to go underwater. And they're like, no, this, like, and so that actually was what motivated me was the 2015 World Championships. Um, And so Stephen and Clay pushed me for years to squirt boat. Uh, Yeah, and that's how I did squirt boating. And then I think everything else, I did travel and kayak for a long time. I spent seven summers in New Zealand. I worked for World Class Academy for three years. I did three, like, well, I guess two full years on the Nile. Uh, working and teaching kayaking out there. Um, I've spent time and traveled and taught in Nepal. Um, You're also the editor of Kayak Session Magazine, aren't you? I Yeah, also the editor of Kayak Session Magazine. I Yeah, I joke that I've, like, I don't think I'm a forefront person, but if you've been around the industry, you've probably met me, and I've probably had a hand in almost every major kayaking event in the last 10 years. I actually, starting with the Grand Prix, really, I helped out right. with Patrick Camblin and the Grand Prix. For a long time for a while i was the general manager of tribe <laughs> <laughs> i think it still says that on my facebook profile I wonder what that title really means no one knows <laughs> <laughs> it was never clearly defined i love, that. I love um, that but yeah so i think i've actually i've yeah i've been fortunate to travel around a lot but also just to be surrounded by i think a lot of people that just kind of took kayaking to a different level and like to be around that and privy to that attitude and to get to I think I just, it's like have this attitude always of like, well, why not try it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of growing up with really well-rounded paddlers that pushed me. I love that. I love the attitude, why not try it? <clears throat> because it speaks to so many different things in the sense that it, not just, you know, sports and athletics, but also, you know, trying different job opportunities or trying to travel the world or trying all sorts of st- different things. You know what I mean? Um, and I think... It, you know, whitewater kayaking in particular is for anybody out there who doesn't know, um, (laughs) it's not necessarily like the most lucrative business in the sense of, uh, what? Wait, you're not here for the money. (laughs) Most things. Uh, um, so how, how is it like, you know, I think a lot of people ask, or at least I hear this often is like, well, you know, how do you make money or, or what's, what's the opportunities here or whatever. And it sounds like you kind of just did a lot of different things and just, yeah, but I didn't make money. Like I want to be <laughs> clear about that. Like, I've been like maybe more fortunate than most and it's not. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> but at the same yeah. point, okay. okay. Make, how do you, you make memories, not money? Come there on, we Nick. go. There <laughs> we go. Okay. Well, I like that. I, I guess in the sense of just being able to make the lifestyle work more than, than making money. You're right. We're, it's not yeah. necessarily for the money, but, but the idea that you can, you can travel the world and you can do all these different experiences. You can live in New Zealand for, you know, seven summers and you can work on the Ottawa for 10 years in a row and you can do, you could like travel all over the place. And it's, it's more to do with kind of just saying like, why not? Like, I'm going to try this versus like, oh, I don't think I can. Like, where does that kind of, and and maybe this is the perfect segue into some other topics that I want to talk about, but just kind of that doubt and that fear kind of like whether or not that creeps in or, or how do you deal with it in the sense of like when there's an opportunity for say um, that someone might be like, well, I could go do this. Yeah, but but why? Do you know what I mean? Like, where's that kind of mentality of why not versus the doubt of being like, well, hmm, I don't know the answers. So I'm just going to not take that opportunity or take the chance. 
Yeah, I am probably the worst person to answer this question (laughs) (laughs) because anyone that knows me well will tell you that I'm maybe one of the most indecisive people that they've ever met. I like agonize over decision making sometimes, but like ultimately whatever decision you make, you're going to make the most of it and you're going to make the best of it. And so it's like, why, why hold yourself back because of a what if, but I think it's still like it, it doesn't mean you're not evaluating the options or like looking at potential consequences or, or figuring stuff out. But yeah, I mean, I think honestly, when I was younger, I was just too dumb to th- realize what I was getting myself into. Like just maybe dumb is the wrong word. Yeah, I was like, I don't think anybody Naive. would ever... Okay, that, might, that might be a better word, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I, I don't think I really fully understood the consequences of what I was doing or where I was. And I think I put a lot of trust in other people. And I think that South Branch trip is actually a really good example of that because I was with people that I trusted and people that were better than me. And I just figured that if they thought I was good, I was good. And, and I was good. You know, honestly, that swim happened because they, I had been asking for an hour to stop and eat something and they were stressed about time and we like just didn't want to do it. So I, since that trip, I packed snacks in my life jacket for the Mm -hmm. record. Top tip. Smart. Yeah. Veggie burger patties, Snickers bars, everything you want. (laughs) Snickers bars or like some sort of like power bar is definitely like a a go-to for me. I've definitely never put a veggie burger patty in my life jacket. I recommend it. Also like chorizo sausage if you eat meat is like, like, yeah, like sliced pepperoni, like pre-sliced pepperoni is one of my favorite life jacket snacks. (laughs) But but I'm I'm digressing. Side note, that was an aside. Um, Yeah. But um, I, so I think I learned two things on that trip one that you know a lot of swims are avoidable but you have to know how to self-manage and you can't Mm -hmm. rely on other people to go at your pace or to slow down for you and then like two like just because you're capable of doing something doesn't mean that you should do it and it doesn't mean it's going to be fun um Mm. and some and three I think the last thing was that you can't trust always trust other people to evaluate what you are capable of or what is best for you and like after that trip I took I would stay a huge step sideways in my kayaking. I wouldn't say backwards, but I hurt my shoulder a little bit and I just really freaked out and lost my role. And I went from feeling the strongest I'd ever felt in my kayak after a full year paddling the Nile um, to panicking if I flipped over in flat water and like just not knowing what I was supposed to do. And it was really disorienting. And I think at that moment, I think that was maybe the most critical moment in my kayaking career because I had the opportunity to either like stop and like quit kayaking and just be scared forever or to find a way to look at, hey, like why did this go badly? And like what skills do I need to learn so that I can feel in control of myself on that river? Or like I don't want to ever be the situation where I'm the weakest link to that extent again. And so like, what do I need to do to get better so that if I can't necessarily trust the people around me, I can trust myself. Wow. I I like that. And there's a couple things in there that I want to unpack. Um, One of them is the fact that you're doing this, this uh, almost like self-reflection of, of kind of like, okay, well, what actually did go wrong? Why did it go wrong? And, and was it, you know, where's the responsibility line? How can I improve and where can I change and, and, you know, get better versus 
I could just stay afraid for the rest of my life and never kayak ever again. Um, Cause I've, I've also seen that happen with people, which is to me, absolutely. It's so sad. It's so sad it, yeah. it, for me. Well, I just, I love the sport. You also love the sport of kayaking and I want to share that with as many people as possible. And there's nothing worse for me than when I hear people like, like, Oh, you know, my buddy just took me out to the river and we ran some rapid and I swam and I almost died and I'm <laughs> never doing that again. And I'm just like, Oh, oh no. Please. Yeah. It's like, there's so many better ways to go about doing this. So side note, anybody out there who just is going to like randomly take their, their friend kayaking, please <laughs> don't <laughs> like start in the flat water or in a pool and like work on some skills or go to like encourage them going to like a kayak school or there's make so- sure they know how to take their skirt off safely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. Like before we ever get into, you know, using skirts, like make sure that you always know how to get out of the boat or put the skirt on the front, but not the back is a really good tip for people yeah. that you don't trust to pull their skirt. Right. Like, I've never heard of that actually, but anyway. You're welcome. Um, Hashtag patent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there. The, the the whole point being that um, that a lot of people get uh, kind of scared out of the sport. Um, people get sandbagged, yeah. and it's yeah. But I, I like that you took that that time and kind of like reflected upon like okay, what actually went wrong versus me just you know never doing the sport ever again. Um, so I I also had some some you know scary times throughout my life uh, paddling and and it was a lot of the same where like I I get even to this day ironically I still kind of get hung up on some things like again I feel like I'm a fairly capable paddler and I can do a lot of like you know harder rapids and stuff and I definitely wouldn't say I'm running you know the the hardest rapids out there and whatever but you do all right but but I do okay and um but I still like I I actually got knocked unconscious one time on this horrible yeah this this trip down in um in Newfoundland and right after that it was maybe like a week week and a half later I still shouldn't have been kayaking because I was still just like not it's heads up, like concussions are not cool. Um, they definitely like, you know, mess with your head, obviously. But uh, but it's like, for me anyway, I would much rather break a bone or like pull a muscle or do something than, than head injuries. Like concussions are just not cool. And I've also had probably too many of them and I know that they, they accumulate. So that's also not great. But um, But the point being that like a week and a half later, I went into the Green River and I got to Gorilla and there was like a rock and that's what happened is I did like a 20 footer onto my head and got knocked out. And so I'm looking at the gr- at Gorilla and I'm like, oh my gosh, this lands on rocks. Like, why would anybody ever do this? Like, this looks like a horrible run. And now like you watch people running Gorilla and, and it's got a huge success rate and very few people have been like, you know, severely injured. A lot of people have messed it up and, and still been okay. And definitely a lot of people have been injured off of it as well. But if you were to watch all the different people that go off of it, especially if you just watch like even the green race or, or just any of the training runs that week or anything like that. Um, you get a wide variety of success rates and stuff like that. But, but as far as like, you know, how many people get, you know, severely injured or whatever, it's still actually quite low, which is on a total side note, something kind of miraculous about our sport is that we have a very forgiving sport in the sense that, you know, you can mess up and and for the most part it's 
very forgiving. Like usually you, you mess up, you catch an edge and you flip over, you just get wet and you roll back up. Yeah. Like in like snowboarding or mountain biking, like you skateboarding, mess, skateboarding, any of that stuff, you mess up, you're minimum, you're like scraping Broken up. bones. Yeah. yeah you're scrapes. scraping up some knees, your elbows, whatever, then likely to like break some bones, get messed up that way. Kayaking, it's like you pretty much, you get wet and then it like stays like that for a long time. And then it's like, oh, maybe you hit a rock and get scraped up. And then there's like, you know, then it escalates quickly into like dislocated shoulder, broken back, you know, yeah. death. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so... Kayaking, super forgiving until it's not. Until until it's not. Yeah. So the, 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 if you were to look at like an in-curve there, it's like fairly flat and then it ramps up quick at the, at the end. Um, but yeah, so I, I was like terrified of Gorilla because I had just hit my head and I was like, clearly you can hit your head here. I do not want to do this. I, ironically now it's been I don't know 15 years later and I still I've run gorilla I don't know how many times yeah. like a lot um and still every time I come into it I get this like mental block of like this is a bad rapid I shouldn't do this this is dangerous I could hit my head and all of that you know it's it's true but I've also run it a gazillion times and and I've actually never you know knock on wood I've never been hurt there and I've had great lines and I'm likely, like, before I run anything, I'm just, at this point, I, I walk when I don't feel like I should run it. But at the same time, I, I have this, that rapid, more than any other ones, I've got this, like, mental block yeah, for it. Yeah, like, it's like you've run things that are way harder, way more consequential, yeah. and been super fine with it. And so why is it that, like, this one rapid still, like, has your number? Yeah, it's it's so weird how that happens. And I, I don't... I kind of don't think I'm the only person that has this, but but maybe, no, maybe definitely I not. I will tell you right now, definitely not. It's weird how these like mental blocks occur, where like some sort of incidents happened, and it kind of just like almost haunts you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. Yeah. So I guess I guess I'm asking you as as I'm laying here on on my getting my counseling session over here. <laughs> Um, what, what advice do you have, uh, for like overcoming those mental blocks and, and, and kind of like how you got out of that scenario that you did? Um, and so I guess a combination of like, what did you do to, to kind of overcome the fear of what happened for you on the South branch? And then what advice would you, as a side note, what advice would you have for, you know, other people to avoid that scenario in the first place? Yeah, well, um, I would say probably don't run the South Branch if you don't know how to boof. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But well, actually, but don't. Um, no, it's a really good question. I think it's a really hard one, and I, you know, I want a disclaimer and say it's like I, it's I call it. I think a lot of people get anticipatory anxiety about kayaking, mm -hmm. right? And maybe that's because of a certain rapid. Maybe that's because of just generally everything overall stress levels. But and I think a lot of it has to do with that. And I. I still struggle a lot with getting anticipatory anxiety about kayaking before I go kayaking. And I think like people, again, if you know me, you know that I'm like most probably going to puke once I put my dry top on, if I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous for a run, can't help it, it just happens. Um, and, you know, and two, I'm likely to just say out loud, hey, I'm scared mm -hmm. and I don't need you to do anything about that. Like there's no, like you don't need to comfort me. I just want you to know, hey, I'm a little nervous and just like make sure if you can keep eyes on me, like I just want you to know that I want eyes on me, hmm. you know? And it's like, you don't need to like go overboard on beta. You don't need to like babysit me, but just like check, like just look back and check in and make sure that I'm like, I'm good. And then the other thing is that normally I go kayaking and at least once a run, I'm like, God, I forgot that I know how to go. I know how to kayak. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it's like, you know, trying to remember to trust your like body, like your muscle memory and your own body instinct. But after the South Branch trip, I, um, I honestly like swapped over back to play boating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I haven't spent that much time in a creek boat. What, where am I most comfortable? Like, where is the one place in my kayak right now that I don't feel scared? And for me, that was freestyle. And so I really love freestyle for the fact that I think it teaches just some of the most important fundamental skills, whether that's boat awareness, boat control, edge control, body awareness. I think it builds comfort being upside down. Mm-hmm. I think it just teaches you to roll as and like rolling is becomes automatic. Like you don't think about rolling up anymore. Yeah, there's like there's like this awareness underwater that that is that doesn't exist when if you're not doing freestyle 100 percent, or if you're not flipping over you know mm-hmm. like you don't have to do freestyle to have that i right. think freestyle does it more than anything else um but you know it's like i live in the in white salmon now and the water out there is cold mm-hmm. and i try really hard most of the time to not flip over yeah and then all of a sudden when i flip over it's like oh my god why am i upside down what do i do and so anyway so like a big fear i had after the south branch was not was panicking when i flipped over And so I just went back to freestyle, went back to fundamentals, went back to spending a lot of time upside down and rebuilding my confidence in my role before I redid anything else. Hmm. And then from there, I went back and I just like really took and made the effort to find things that felt within my comfort zone and then find ways to be uncomfortable in that space. So like whether that was like, finding a new line on a rapid I'd done a a ton of times or trying something different or trying to just like do something with less paddle strokes or make it a little bit harder, you know? And I think it's like a big thing is it's really easy to like feel this shame. And I think there's this word that I hate, I hate using the word hate, but the word that I think is really toxic is should, I should be able to do this. Yeah. And I think like when we put that pressure on ourselves and our expectations on ourselves of, that we think that we should feel a certain way about a rapid or we should be able to do something. It's just like that weight of that pressure becomes really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a big one is stepping out, like taking the perspective, stepping outside of that and asking, do I want to do this? And if I don't want to do this, why are or like, if, it's like, why or why not? Right. Right. Like what? And I think it really becomes about logicking through some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having that evaluative self-talk, but also recognizing that for me now, like some days I don't have the mental energy to be pushed outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. Because like, yeah, I am capable of it. And the days that I do want to do it, I will. And so how do I use the days that I don't want to be pushed out of my comfort zone to keep building those skills that I'm going to need and have to rely on, on like, so that I can trust those skills when I'm already a little bit scared. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I, I think, I think your idea of, of, you know, having dis a distaste for this word should, um, is, is quite ironic because I think we use that too often where expect, I mean, I, I'm sure this happens in all aspects of life, but for me in paddling, uh, a big part of my life, I get it a lot where, People are like, oh, you should be able to run. Like if I'm going to walk a rapid, for instance, okay? They're like, oh, you you should do it. I mean, you're good enough. Like, or, or if somebody else runs the rapid ahead of me 
And and then I still decide to walk. They're like, oh, what? You're not good enough now? Like, oh, oh that person's better than you? And like all that. Oh, and just- then it, it speaks also, I think, to this pressure that you start to feel when you've received a little bit of attention or spotlight for your paddling. And like you start paddling towards what you think others people's perceptions of you are or right. need to be. That makes it way harder to mm-hmm. feel confident in whatever you're feeling or dealing with internally in that moment. I, I find it also funny how often, and I hear this a lot with um, with newer paddlers, and, and I guess this probably happens again in lots of different sports and a lot of different you know aspects within life, but where... You know, I've, you and I have both taught a lot of kayak school, but where somebody will say, "Should I run this?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, "Whoa, I, I can't be the one to tell you whether you should run this or not." Like, that should be something that you know you're processing through in your own mind, and you're coming to your own conclusion of like, "Yes, I should run it or not." Now, at the flip side of that, I have also like gone to run things when I was really young and had better people, mentors, coaches, or whatever that said you shouldn't do this. Hey, hey Nick, <laughs> you're not good enough to run this rapid when that's a little bit different. Um, but to be asking someone like, should I run it? It's like, well, if you have to ask, the answer <clears throat> is no. Right. If, <laughs> if your gut isn't giving you the confidence to run it already, then you're probably not ready to run it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I do. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, for me, it was a long, um, a long process of kind of like learning to trust that gut instinct. And I talk about that a lot on this show of just like trusting your gut instinct in so many different ways. Uh, Again, whether you call it, you know, gut instinct or intuition or or whatever. Yeah. Um, But I love how that you also explained how when you're going through that fearful experience or you, or you get that doubt and you have to take a step back, how you can put yourself in an environment that is within your comfort zone and then you're choosing to run lines that are pushing your comfort zone while you're still within your comfort zone. I think that's such a great piece of advice for everyone listening for like almost like a blueprint for how to take those progression steps forward and increase in again in anything in life, whether it be paddling, you know, whether it be um, whether it be with a new job or entrepreneurship or or dating or whatever whatever it might be. Do you know what I mean? You could use this for so many different ways, but it keeps you almost like in that safety zone, but it also pushes you to continually progress. But progress at um at a manageable level versus like just the kind of, cause I do this sometimes my, I'm like, whether I, I don't know if it's notorious, it would be the proper word for it or not, but, <laughs> but, but I regularly like, um, live with the like leap and leap of faith. And I'm just going to like build some wings on the way down type thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is great. And you know, it, it helps take action, but sometimes like you better be ready to get, you know, bumps and bruises that way. Yeah. Um, and I like your method of st- like staying within that comfort zone and pushing, you know, pushing your boundaries while you're within it. So you're still taking that progression forward and you're still learning. Cause if you don't, if you always stay within your comfort zone, guess what? That's comfortable, but you'll also never progress outside of that comfort zone. You'll never get better unless you're pushing yeah. yourself one way or another. Do you know what I mean? I do. And you know, it's like we need people to help hold us accountable, right? I feel like accountability is like a trending word right now whether that's like workouts or whatever challenge you're putting yourself through but like finding people that can hold you accountable to being like do you want to try this line Mm -hmm. right or hey do you want me to set safety for you here or you know finding people that can help help push you but keeping that comfort zone there you know and like honestly there's people today that I I get very self-conscious paddling around 
and they're not people I paddle everything with. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's like sometimes if you feel, and I think like for me, a big thing that contributes to my like anticipatory anxiety or my anxiety around kayaking after this notorious trip partly, but also is this fear of failure, right? And failure doesn't have to mean that you swim or you knock yourself out or anything else. Like for me, failure in a rapid can be like, I was one foot to the left of where I wanted to be. Hmm. Or like, oh, I took a brace stroke. Like today on the falls at Rock Island, I was like, whoo, bobbled a brace stroke. <laughs> and, and I was like, but I was fine and my line was fine and I recovered. And I think it's about remembering that embracing the failure as a learning process and a learning step and, and taking that, like taking, you can take more out of failure. Like I think, and this is not just for kayaking, this is for everything in life, but being willing to know that if, like, okay, what's the worst thing that happens here if I fail? Yep. And am I okay with that worst case consequence? And if I am, then like going back to that initial point, it's like, well, then why not just jump? Like, why not just make that decision? Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so I, it's like what you were saying about the wings. It's like, yeah, you can jump without wings on the way down, but if you like know... If it's certain death, then I'm not going to jump. Right, exactly, like, exactly. Like, like, yeah, like yeah, what is no 100. percent That's how my my process of decision making in these like risky or fearful or doubtful scenarios goes. Where it's like, okay, well, let's start off with what is the worst case scenario here. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And I then, love playing the what if game. Yeah, sometimes and then, it's a little too much. And then it's like, okay, if now that I know what worst case scenario is, okay, now it's like, well, where's the line to get to? where I want to be, what are, you know, what are the odds of me getting there? What are the odds or percentage of me getting offline? First of all, what are the odds or percentage of me getting into that worst case scenario? If the, if they're even like, I don't know, 5%, like it's got to be a very, very low chance where I'm feeling like I'm going to end up in that worst case scenario unless it's like and and obviously like take a step away from like yeah obviously worst case scenario in every situation with extreme sports is death mm -hmm. right like we know that we accept that risk but as you said like what is the likelihood of that right here yeah i mean like so we were at the falls today here at rock island and and emily says something like when we're still in the parking lot where she was like oh i'm a little nervous or i'm scared or whatever and i'm like well, there's, you know, good. we're okay. But, but I was also like, well, there's nothing really to be like too scared of today. Like it's a, it's at a, you know, decent level. There's n not a whole lot of actual, um, physical risk in the sense of like death. Right. And, yeah. and so she says, well, I'm afraid of dying. And I'm and, and <laughs> the way my brain's yeah. processing it. I'm like, well, I don't even see that on the, like on the, the radar of a possibility. Right. Today. Like it's always like what you said, you're right. It's always a possibility. But to me, it's like, it's the same possibility of choking on a piece of broccoli when I'm eating dinner <laughs> or, or like, you know, <laughs> lightning striking me dead in the street. Like yeah. you're right. All of these things, a meteor coming down and falling on my head. All of these are possibilities right there yeah. in the, you know, ultimate arena of the universe. Like all of this is certainly possible what's the likelihood? Very, very, very low. So in today's experience on the river, I'm like, well, I think there's a very low chance of, you know, death actually happening here. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it is something that I think that we all have. I mean, like that, that there's that risk curve. You know what I mean? I yeah. like to call it the, um, the risk to reward curve. Like where, yeah. where's that risk versus the fun factor? Like totally. How, yeah. And, and it, it plays for me in decision-making such a big part for, especially when, you know, making decisions on the river. Yeah, I think that speaks to so much because like one, you know, I, I, I just want to put it out there like fear is healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Like fear is what keeps you alive. It's what keeps you safe. And like when we start to push past that fear or lose that fear, like there is risk. Um, and so it is, it's a really hard balance, I think, to know how to push past 
fear appropriately and when it's appropriate to push past fear. Hence that like, should I run this question? Mm -hmm. It's like how I think in that moment, a lot of people are asking or trying to have help sorting through the fear or the doubt versus their skill factor. Right. But then ultimately, like what I think I tell people all the time is that kayaking is fun. It should be fun. And if you're not having fun, like, why are you doing this? You know, right. it's like there's fun, there's type one fun and there's type two fun for sure. You know, type one yeah. fun's like fun while you're doing it. Yeah. And type two fun is like not fun until it's over. And for yeah. me, for a long time, kayaking was only type two fun. Right. Um, I like would have so much anxiety about going kayaking that I like couldn't have fun until it was over. And I was like, I think it was fun only because I was still alive, you know, <laughs> like even on the flat water. But, um, but, um, but I think like that's, like my biggest advice for anyone struggling with that is like paddle to your fun factor and don't shame yourself for where your fun factor is. You know, it's like, that's, that's it. And I think that we can put so much pressure on ourselves, you know, to be a certain way or to meet a certain person's expectations of what they want or like to not want to let people down or not want to let ourselves down or, you know, like honestly, like as a female paddler for a really long time, like when you're when there's not that many girls out there, it, the weight of messing up feels felt bigger to me. It's like if I mess up here, then it's like girls can't do this. And like no one ever said to me, Anna, you're representative of, of all female paddlers. Like that is like obviously not true. There's you some know, pressure on your shoulders, right? Like <laughs> no, yeah. But why? Like, but for whatever reason, that's where my brain took that. You know, it's like I felt so much more self-conscious about about those things. And so mm. I think that's why it's like, you know, where are the people that you don't feel judged with paddling? Like, where are the people that are going to point out something to try and laugh at you when it get you, you get it wrong and then, like, give you a tip to make it better? Yeah. Right? Like, it's, you know, I think it's the fun factor is so malleable and there's so many things that factor into it, but it's just... Yeah, gosh, I don't know. It's like, should I be running this? Do I need to run this? What am I doing? Like, what, what is this thing about? And I think like when you do a sport at the level that we do it, it comes, becomes really hard to separate out from your identity. Hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons, you know, it's like, who am I as a kayaker? And honestly, like I routinely have anxiety, over, not anxiety, but I stress about this. You know, I'm I always like, oh my God, I don't think people either think I'm a better kayaker than I am or a way worse kayaker than I am. I don't really know. Am I a good kayaker? Like I wonder that all the time. Am I a good kayaker? And I think everyone has some of that, you know, and like there's moments where I'm a great kayaker and there's moments where I like really am not doing awesome. And that's just part of that process, right? Like very few people, <clears throat> Dane, are <laughs> so consistent and so good every day they're on the water and every stroke they take. And there's days that I feel great in my boat and there's days that I don't. And it's like, you've got to paddle to what you're feeling to a Mm -hmm. certain extent. But I just think it's like, you can't, I don't know. It's like, you've just got to find another way to make it fun. And you've just got to find a, a way to, I think to ask yourself, do I want to push past this fear? Right. And, and as far as the fun factor goes too, like sometimes for me anyway, you know, some days I'm just like, you know what? I'm not feeling it and I'm going to walk. I mean, totally. back, back to the whole like Green River yeah. and Gorilla experience. I've walked, there was like a whole summer where I think I walked it almost every day Yeah, that that I ran it because I just like, nah, just not feeling it. I'm not feeling like it. I'm in a, in a squirt or like a, a half slice boat or whatever. I'm having such a fun day today. I don't even want the stress or the worry of Gorilla or like any of that kind of stuff. I'm walking it today, whatever. And, get, and then the 
fall came around and I ran it every day after that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or, or maybe it was like a week that I didn't run it. I don't even remember. But the, the point being that there was like a whole section of time where I wasn't running it and I had no problem getting out and walking it and not caring who was watching me, what were people totally. thinking, like all that stuff. I was like, it's cool. I'm having so much fun. I'm going to just not worry about that stress today so yeah and for me I think sometimes even like if you know that there's a rapid that you're scared about on the river giving yourself permission to walk it at the put-in even for yourself mentally can make the entire rest of my day so different right like if all I'm doing on the green the whole time for example Mm -hmm. it would be stressing about am I gonna run gorilla or am I not gonna run gorilla then like I'm am I having fun on anything else above it yeah. No. And so I think like sometimes it's about being like, yeah, like I'm going to go do this and yeah, I might walk and that's okay. Yeah. And then it kind of, I think can relax you enough to where you can enjoy what you're doing and who knows, maybe you end up running it, maybe you don't, but like you've already kind of, I think changed your expectation for yourself, which is huge. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I like that mentality and, and I regularly, I have I one if I'm just not feeling it I you know I won't walk it, or I, I won't run it and I will walk it but I also pretty much any like class 5 rapid it doesn't matter what it could be a waterfall could be anything I regularly tell anybody that I'm paddling with one I'm usually only paddling class 5 rapids uh, or rivers with a crew that I trust so there's also there's no like extra pressure cuz I'm just like hey guys like you guys know that if I'm not feeling it today I'm not going to run it do you know what I mean yeah but I always make my decision once I'm at the rapid when I was younger I used to like like preemptive be like oh I'm going to run this rapid you know when I get there and it's just like how about we figure that out once we get there like yeah. w- let's see how the run goes how I'm feeling today where my skills are totally. at totally and then once we get there I'll make the decision whether or not I want to run it at that moment or not do you know what I mean yeah um ironically I actually did uh I did a film uh like a film commercial thing or whatever over in Iceland once and and uh they wanted us to run, uh, what was it, Aldea Foss, this big like yeah, big yeah. waterfall. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we want you to run this waterfall, da 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 da. And I was like, cool, sweet. Um, there's a good chance that I'm going to run it, but just I want to give you guys the heads up before, you know, you, you fly me out there to run this thing. I'm going to make my decision on the day that we're filming at the moment right before we go. Yeah. And, and I just want to make sure that you guys and everybody's aware that there's a chance. That, you know, if I'm not feeling it that day, that I'm just not going to run it that day. Because I don't want that added pressure of like, oh, you know, I was flown out here and, you know, now today's snowing or my back's hurt from like this other waterfall that I ran. I have to run it. Like, I wanted to make it very clear with everybody that was a part of it. Like, I'm going to make my decision, you know, five, ten minutes before we go and... If you guys are still cool with that, then, you know, I'm going to come be a part of this trip. If you're not cool with that, that's awesome as well. You can, you know, find a different athlete or different paddler to do it. But that's just the decision. That's how I make decisions at my point at this point in my life. And, um, and I just want to make sure everybody's cool with that. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that takes, you know, that experience and those failures and learning from those mistakes along the way to kind of get to that point of being like, you know, I'll just, I'm going to make the decision in the moment on the day of, and that's just kind of how we go. Yeah. And there's been a lot of days where like, I'm like, oh man, I feel awesome today. And I get in the river and I'm like, not the day. And then, or the opposite happens where you're like so stressed or you feel terrible. And then you get in your boat and you're like, oh my God, I feel amazing. And so I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's good to have goals, you know, and it's good to know what you want to do. But I, I, I agree. It's like, you've got to give yourself the space and time to 
to make that decision like when you really need to rather than getting too caught up in it beforehand. Yeah, and I, I also I had uh, I had an experience once with uh, with with Benny Marr and Alec Voorhees on the I think it was just the three of us and it was a uh, super high water. I don't remember what it was. Uh, or at least it was super high water for me. I don't, but it was at high water North Fork and it was in the springtime. Like there was like six foot banks of snow on the, on the river banks. Like you couldn't even like pull over to kind yeah. of like park or anything like that. It was actually kind of sketchy to walk, but, um, but we, we put on. It's funny. I was literally just looking at a photo from this day for a kayak session. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. And, uh, it was an awesome day and we're all stoked. Like the stoke level is high, like, you know, in, in the, in the car driving to the put in and everything. And we run down the top, you know, whatever it is, the the upper five, um, upper five miles, whatever the upper, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And top five. The top five. That's what it is. Which I was is like, three uh, rapids, but five miles. <laughs> Confusing, but true. But, uh, and it was an awesome day. And then somewhere in there, I don't know if it was, uh, I forget which rapid, but right above Jake's somewhere, or maybe it was even a little bit above that. I like flipped once, had to like brace a couple hard times. Like it was just big water. And I just like, it was pushing me around. And by the time we got to Jake's, I was like, guys, you know what? Um, I'm not going to run Jake's, but I'm, I'm also getting out here. Like I just feel the water is so like, it was a big day. Do you know what I mean? Like it was one of those levels where things, when they go wrong, they're going to go wrong quickly. And, yeah. and I just knew, hey, you know, we ran this yesterday. It was awesome. We ran the top five. Awesome. I'm also, I don't know if I'm exhausted. I don't know like what it is, but I just had to trust my body. Like I'm just not feeling a hundred percent. Maybe I'm in the, you know, like the eighties or the seventies. Like it's still yeah. okay. And I probably would have been fine to just keep going. But, but it also, wasn't fun. Yeah. I was like, it's time for me to get out. So I'm yeah. just going to get out here and I'll meet you guys at the bottom. Yeah. Um, And, and so it just, you, you have to kind of trust that sometimes. And, and I wonder how in, in talking, you know, like fear, doubt and decision-making, do you use these same kind of process of decision-making in these other aspects, you know, of life? Like what you're talking about, like kind of traveling the world and, and kind of uprooting and going all these different places and, and taking on all these different job opportunities. Like, is it a similar decision-making thing for you or is it totally different? Oh, tough question. Um, Gosh, honestly, I don't know. Um, I think I'm kind of a wimp, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. I I really don't. It's funny because I actually do still beat myself up for not, I, for thinking that I could push myself out of my comfort zone more than I do. Hmm. Um, I routinely feel like I could be doing more than I am. Um, and so I think I try to. Um, I definitely try to, and I definitely play the what if game and I definitely walk through consequences and I definitely write lists and I use people to hold me accountable. And, and I I do try and find the ways of, I guess, finding some sort of element of control or how can I be, how can I make this situation comfortable? But then I also think that at a certain point, you just have to recognize that the more you put yourself out of the comfort zone, the less you have to think about it. Hmm. And, you know, I like, for example, I think when I was working for world class, we were running new rivers all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just stopped thinking about the fact that we were running a new river and you just trust your groove. You trust your reading water skills. You just know that you're going to figure it out as you get there. And then I've had years since where I really only ran the same three rivers and I paddled, you know, 300 days a year, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't having to experience like that part of my brain that has to evaluate and do things on the fly and do things that are like to embrace that un- unknown. And it, 
it started giving me a lot of fear about it. And I, I actually felt similarly, ironically, traveling after COVID for the first time. Yeah. And it's like, despite all of the travel that I've done in my life, and I've done a lot of travel with people solo, somehow after that like year, year and a half at home, it was way more daunting to like take that first step. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, this is a really long answer, but I think... I think it's like just that reminding myself that like taking that first step is the hardest part. Yeah. And that like the reality is that I can figure the rest of it out from there. I love that. And and ironically, just like thinking about how you're answering that, I'm kind of processing again through, through my head and, and, and my experiences. And for me, so I've got so many days on the water in the last, you know, 18, 20 years. I don't even remember how long many years I've been paddling. I've paddled a lot of days on the water, a lot of hours. You know what I mean? And so I have a lot to fall back on as far as like experiential um, memory and just kind of knowing how to deal with the scenario. And so when I'm in a river, you know, I feel fairly good. Now, like what you said, if I don't run class five for two years straight, doesn't matter how many years I've been running class five, I'm going to get back on and I'm going to be like, whoo, let's kind of dust off these cobwebs. I'm feeling a little shaky in here. Do you know what I mean? And, and on the flip side, it's almost like that anytime you do anything, like whether it be, you know, totally new or whether it's like new again, do you know what I mean? Like, like you're, you're, uh, reintroducing it back into your life. And, and so for me, like, yeah, whether it be, you know, doing real estate for the first time, I thought was super scary. Very and, scary. Terrifying, and, yeah. really. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I've done a lot of scary things before. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, yeah. had, I've been through a lot of, you know, uh, life and death scenarios. Why is this so daunting to me? Um, and then it's, it's the same, you know, with, with anything where you're like, travel. I had a similar scenario after COVID where it's like, I have, again, I've been super fortunate <laughs> to have traveled the world and, and, I couldn't tell you how many planes and stuff like that that I've been on and how many airports, but doing it again for the first time is always like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just like trying to remember the steps again, where yeah. I think when you're, when you're in it and it's just the everyday. It's just your norm. Yeah. Interesting. So I, yeah. I, I guess part of it might be to just like what you said, you take that first step and then guess what? There's a second step yeah, exactly, and a third step and you just have to keep stepping. And it's kind of like that marathon. You probably hear it a lot, like the marathon analogy, like how do you run a marathon? Well, first you have to start with one step, right? But guess what? You have to just keep doing keep steps, going. Yeah. keep going after that. And eventually you'll run the, whatever it is, 20, what is it? 26 miles, 24 miles, 26.2. No, nah, that's what it is. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Um, and so it, it, it's that whole idea that you, you, one, you always have to start with one step. But then you have to follow it up with the second, third, the fourth, and you keep going until it's finished. And it's like that, I guess, with with just everything in life, no matter what it is. So I guess that's a it's a, it's a call to action for all of <laughs> yeah. us. Uh, thank you, Anna, to yeah. to take that first step or or retake that first step, like get back into it. Whether it be you know whether it be traveling again after COVID, whether it be you know getting back into kayaking, whether it be fitness or working out or eating healthy. I mean, there's so many things that like that we all experience through life, but then it's like, oh yeah, I used to eat healthy or I used to do this or I used to like work and out. It's like, oh, I should probably get back into that. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I think it, it also comes back to this idea of like, you know, cheesy, whatever, but comparison is the thief of joy. Hmm. Do you ever hear that? And it's, it's like, don't compare that first step to what anyone else's first step is doing. Just like focus on what your own step first step is and what it needs to look like and like what that is for you. And I think 
that like when you start to compare your journey or your process or like your like working through through stress or decision making or confronting fear it's like knowing that like the experience that you have doing that is really different than someone else's and like what you need to do that is really different than someone else and it's I don't know I think like comparing where you are in that process or how fast you're moving through that process to someone else is one of the things that is the worst Mm -hmm. um it never makes you feel good well maybe it does for some people but I'm just not, I guess I'm just never ahead of them. So. Yeah. Well, I would, I would add to that because I think, especially in this world of social media that we live in, not only should we not be comparing our first step with someone else's first step, because there's a quote again that goes something along the lines of like, we're all running our own race. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter, you know, where you're at. But I think too often people think that we are comparing one step to one step or first step to first step, but you might be comparing your first step with my thousandth exactly. step, which obviously isn't fair. And not a, first, like you shouldn't be comparing your first with my first anyway, but, but too often we think we're comparing and we're like, man, I'm so far behind. Like what you're saying, like, oh, well, I'm just far behind. It's like, well, maybe you're really far ahead. Maybe you're just comparing the wrong way, which we shouldn't be doing anyway. So we probably all just need to turn off our Facebook sometimes. Oh my God. And just not compare. You just just dated yourself hard out, Nick. Uh, I was going to say. No one says Facebook anymore. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Instagram, TikTok. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to be cooler. (laughs) I guess I've never been cool. So that's okay. But. Oh, I don't know if this actually is relevant, but I was going to say, you know, I have this memory of running Great Falls for the first time and running the Grace Under Pressure line and feeling really good in my boat that day. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends, Kira Tenney, that I was with, working with at Fernie River Academy at the time, who was a better kayaker than me, way more comfortable and confident. You know, it's like I was there. I remember seeing the line. I saw the line. I was going to go to do it. And I looked at her and she was walking. Um, She's walking it. And I was like, wait, what? But you're better than me. And then I was like, oh, my God, should I be running this? Like, should I be doing this? Like, what? And she looked at me and she was like, you do you. You know, she was like, you're good enough. She's like, she's like, this isn't what I want for myself today, but like that has nothing to do with your line. And that mm-hmm. was like a really interesting and powerful moment for me to be like, yeah, I didn't even know that I was comparing myself or like judging, basing my judgment off of what you mm-hmm. were doing. And I, I like I to have that awakening um, was really like really, I don't know. It was it made me think a lot differently about how I approach a lot of things in life. You know, that, that is a great, great piece of advice. And, and I think too often, again, maybe it's just me, um, but I, I just compare everything Everything. when when I just don't need to. And I'm like, and, and I have to do that self-reflection and realize like, one, we're all doing different races Two, this, this step that I'm taking isn't even equivalent to what I'm comparing against. Yeah. And, and three, like, just don't even worry. Just do your own thing. Do Do you. I like that. I felt like, I mean, lately, honestly, I felt so unaccomplished in my paddling and in my paddling career and all these things, which is like, it, it sounds silly to say it out loud, but then at the same time, it doesn't because I look at some of the things that I did that felt like milestones back in the day. And then I look at how frequently those things are being done now or how much that stuff is being done by other people or like a rapid that I've run once and was super proud of it and didn't have the opportunity to go back and run again. Other people have just like run laps on. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's like, why do I have to define what I've done and accomplished for myself based on how often or how much someone else has done? Because that's that's them. Yeah. Like my my achievements have no relevance on 
for like on them, you right. know? And so, but that is like something I think I have, especially in the age of social media, I've had to really talk to myself about, mm-hmm. um, especially maybe like as, you know, you get a little bit older and you start to like look back and be like, did I do what I wanted to in my sport or like, what is my goal? And like, what do I still want to achieve? And, and like feeling that, that pressure. And it's like, you know, how you, how can you be competitive without being comparative? And I it's, like that. it's something I think I'm really still working on figuring out. Well, I would add to that and say, um, it's good that you're still working on it because I think we all are continually working on it until our last day. You know what I mean? Or at least yeah. m- in my opinion, we should be because that, like I, I live in this mentality or in this world that, that we should continually grow and learn and evolve and adapt. Um, and there's always like, you can continue to learn till, till your last breath. Do you know what I mean? So, totally. so why and, stop now? Yeah. And um, why limit yourself to only growing in one direction? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anna, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Super fun to get to talk with you all about stress, fear, and doubt, and decision making, paddling, um, your you know career and everything, and all of the amazing stuff that you're doing. Um, but we're already at like an hour, so I'm gonna. Oh my mo- gosh! We're, um, we're Sorry. Gonna, <laughs> no, it's all good. We're gonna move on to um, the second part of the show that I call the fire round, and I'm gonna fire a couple quick questions okay. at you that I ask all of my guests. Though before we continue with the show, I want to take a little bit of time to talk about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards your goals at the pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noon Weight users finish the program and more than 60% of users that engage with the program keep the weight off for a year or more. So start building habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. I'm not ready. No, I'm just kidding. Go for it. It's all good. So fire round questions. Um, Anna, do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by? Um, if you're a fish, don't try and be a giraffe. I love that. What a great piece of advice. I love that it makes me smile as well. Um, Anna, do you, I, I have a guess that you do because you're also a, a, a big reader and we Uh-oh. talk about books all the time. Do you have a favorite book or a current book that you're reading? I cannot answer this question because I I would probably take you another hour on the podcast, um, but I would say one of my all-time favorites remains The Power of One by Bryce Courtney. Okay, great. Um what is a power of one, by the way, I haven't read that. So I think you gonna, haven't, I think I might have to read that. I've read the one thing, but that's by Gary Keller. So I'm going to have to read totally the power different. Of, yeah, totally different. Don't watch the movie. Okay. Power of one. I'm going to check that out. Um, 
what might be a recent lesson that you've learned, whether it be through a mistake or through success? Don't be afraid to put what you want out to the universe. Um, people, sometimes I think it seems like people just get handed opportunities and it's like, I think that you, you have to ask for what you want and you have to let people know what you want. And I think that you have to find ways to create opportunity for yourself. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love, anyway, we could go deep into yeah. that and manifestation and all that stuff, but I totally agree that you do have to, um, let other people, but just let the universe know that, you know, this is what I want and I'm, I'm going after it. Yeah. Um, I love that piece of advice. And this is one of my favorite questions that I get to ask everybody. If today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done up to now was to go away with you. So everything that you've done with kayak session, with the Keener program, all the teaching that you've done, everything was to leave with you. And all that you were left with was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could write down three truths, three things that you believe to be true to leave to your friends, your family members, future generations. What would your three truths be? Oh, man. Uh, it's not about you. Stay humble. And you can never have too many snacks. <laughs> I love that, Anna. Uh, this has been a super fun conversation and I have gained a ton of value out of it. Um, something that I try to do for all of my guests that I get to bring on the show is provide as much value as I can, being that I gain so much from everything that you've just shared with us. So what might be something that you are currently focusing on that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners? Oh man, well, selfishly, if you're coming to team trials... Help me figure out how to get that McNasty going all the time. But um, I, I'm i going to have to think about a bigger one for your listeners. But I think I would be curious to hear more about you taking the first step into a new career. And I think, yeah, just embracing the challenges that has of like stepping outside your comfort zone in terms of like another role or aspect of your life. I... I love that. And I love that you have turned that back on me. And, and maybe we'll have to do a side note uh, or a, a, another episode simply on that, because uh, like what you said, that would be a whole episode length. Um, but yeah, that would be a super fun one. So maybe we'll have to get together, maybe at Team Trials, and you can turn the table on me and Ooh. ask me some questions. Um, as far as your McNasty at Team Trials, I will most certainly help give you any uh, piece of advice that I can. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be use less edge and wait longer. But uh you know, never hurts, <laughs> which is also a good like analogy for life. Actually, use less edge and wait longer. You're probably probably work out. I like that. I like that. Oh, I would say like my last truth I want to leave people. I think I have to remind myself of is be kind. I like that. Be kind. I think, you know, kindness, gosh, the world can always use more kindness. So I think as a reminder for everyone, um, yeah, just be kind. Love that piece of advice. Anna, for everyone out here that wants to follow along your journey a little more, um, might want to stay tuned or possibly just reach out to you, what might be the best way for someone to connect with you? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is at brew, yes, B-R-U-Y-E-S-S, because Bruno sounded too negative. Thank you, Benny Ma. <laughs> 
Um, you can message me there. Um, I also have a lot of blogs that I've written on this topic on the Jackson Kayak website. Um, and then, yeah, if you see me on a river, make sure you say hi. So Awesome. That's all amazing. Definitely uh, come up and say hi to Anna if you see her at the river. Check her out on her Instagram and her Jackson Kayak blog. I'll put both of those links below in the show notes. Final question of the day for you, Anna. What is your definition of awesome? Oh, boy. Um, just whatever makes you whatever makes you giggle, like whatever makes you feel good. I like that. Whatever makes you feel good. That truly is awesome. Again, this has been a super fun conversation. I have gained a ton and I hope you as the listeners did as well. If you guys did get something out of this episode, please, if you could share it out with one other person, whether it be a friend, a family member, throw it up on your social media if you feel obliged. But that's a simple ask that I have for you guys is if you got value, if you enjoyed it, please just share it with someone else that you think might need to hear it as that's my whole goal with this is to build a community and a collective uh, together. And that's the best way to do it is just to share it out with people that we think uh, might want to hear this conversation. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening as always. Um, again, if you haven't done so yet, please, if you guys could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you guys are listening to this, that would also be greatly appreciated. And thank you guys uh, for doing so. Guys, I'm going to have to leave you at that because uh, I think it's about time for us to go do some more fun activities outside. But I am Nick Troutman here with Anna Bruno, sometimes known as Brew Yes. And we are signing off and uh, yeah, wishing you all a truly awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.